0: So good morning, um, I think this is the first time I've been out here this year, so it's really good to see you all, and I know that there's lots of faces out there that I don't even know, so hi, I'm Joe. <laughs> thanks. Um, I'm married to Dave, who a lot of you will have met, because he's out here quite regularly playing keys, or he has been out here preaching as well, and we have three kids, Ethan is in year 10, uh, Lucas is in year 7, and Brianna is in year 4, so they keep me fairly busy, And I'm part of the senior leadership team here at Life Church, but my day-to-day responsibilities actually are within the Levita Youth Trust, where I'm the trust manager. So that just gives you a little bit of context for who I am. Um, And more recently, I've also been involved in Life Kids out at Levita, which is why I haven't been out here worship leading where some of you might have seen me before. But I'm still very passionate about our worship team and about worship, and along with Dave, just continuing to see our amazing team grow and flourish. And I honestly looked at the team this morning and was like, man, these guys are all Selwynites. Like, I don't know if you use that word, but I think you should. They're all (laughs) Selwynites. And that is really, really cool. Here we are, nine months in, and you've got a whole team from you guys. So that's awesome. And just a wee plug, if you can play an instrument or you can sing, please come have a chat to me or send Dave a message because we always want more people, especially singers like Bex was here, on her own this morning. be great to have some people with her. So don't be shy. You don't have to be, like, the absolute best in the world. You just have to have a heart for worship. So Julia already alluded to this, but it's incredible to think that this time last year when we held our Mother's Day service, the big question for many of us was, what could this look like in a campus model? And now here we are, Mother's Day 2019. And it's my absolute privilege to be here sharing it with you. Like many of you that have been around for a while, our Mother's Day service is one of the highlights of my year. A chance to celebrate mums and to just have a little bit of fun. I'm also really conscious that for some of you, and again, Julia's also mentioned this, turning up today was a really difficult thing to do. For those of you that have lost your mum, or you've lost a child, you've struggled with infertility or miscarriage, or for some other reason you haven't been able to have children, or perhaps you don't even have a relationship with your mum or or your children, we do acknowledge you. And we acknowledge that this day represents pain for you. If this is you, thank you for being here, for choosing to put yourself in that vulnerable space. And I pray that God, God will speak words of encouragement and of healing over the course of this morning. So our theme this year is Held. What does that even mean? You will have seen the graphic, which is not there, but that's okay. You will have seen the graphic. <laughs> and that, along with the fact that it's Mother's Day, means we naturally jump to thinking about mums holding their children, so little babies, or maybe even animal mums holding their kids, like these ones. Now, I've never seen a pony do this before, but how cool is that? And then the next one, this was my daughter's favourite. She's like, oh. But the next one's my favorite. (laughs) There's just something about orangutans. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like I can totally relate to these mums. There's something about the look in their eyes, the slightly glazed expression while they're holding their baby, that I can totally relate to. Especially in those early years when it was all you could do to just make it through the sleep deprivation. So yes, there are some natural things that we jump to, when we think about this theme through the lens of motherhood. God has created something quite special in mothers. When a child is hurt, who do they look for? When something isn't okay, who kisses us better and makes everything okay again? Who watches out for us, even if we are grown? Who checks in on us no matter how far away we are? Who gives the biggest hugs? Who fights for us if we're threatened? Mum does. Even in nature, we can can see this play out. Think of a mother hen who, when under threat, tucks her chicks under her wing to hide them. And you'd think that I picked this outfit just so that I could be a chicken this morning, but I promise that wasn't it. She fluffs up her feathers so that she expands how big she is, makes herself appear larger to predators, but also so that she can tuck the chicks under the wings where they are hidden, where they are safe, where they are protected. Or think of a mama bear. Now, there is a reason that this phrase has become part of our Urban Dictionary. I know I've uttered the phrase, I'm going to go all mama bear. I bet some of you have as well. Usually in response to someone or something threatening my kids. We use it to describe fighting on behalf of our children. When you see a big mama bear, and I'm not going to try and be a bear here, when you see a big mama bear rise up on its hind legs and fight off predators to protect their bear cubs, you get a wee insight into that fight response that rises in your spirit when your child is under threat. It's a desire to protect, to provide for our families. The cool thing is that these characteristics that we often attribute as being unique to mothers are actually not. The Bible says that we are made in his image, male and female he created them. So it stands to reason that these mum characteristics are actually a reflection of God's character, of his desire to protect us, his desire to comfort us, his desire to provide for us. He is the ultimate mother hen, the good shepherd, who fights for his family, who leads us to a place of refuge, of comfort, of safety. He provides strength when we don't have it in us. He offers words of caution, of wisdom, when we don't always want to hear it. He has the best spiritual hugs, He is the ultimate nurturer. If you only take away one thing from today, I hope that it is this, that we are held by God. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah 40 or follow along on the screen, verse 11 says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And then down to verse 28, do you not know Does this not paint a picture of a God who longs to protect us, to take us in his arms and hold us, to keep us safe? So why do we then sometimes resist allowing ourselves to be held by God? And what does it look like when we do allow it? What if you don't even know what it is to hand yourself over to God in surrender and allow him to hold you? Why shouldn't we just battle along and try and do it all ourselves? Can I be brutally honest? Without God, it's actually just too hard. It's too much. When I forget that He is my provider, my source of strength, my hiding place, then I find myself speaking the words, I can't do this. Well, of course I can't. It was never God's intention for us to carry everything. We are human. We have limitations. There are so many times in the Bible where God reminds us that he holds us. And here are just a few of them. Psalm 91 verse 4 says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. If that doesn't say mother hen, I don't know what does. In Deuteronomy 32, he's speaking about um, the Israelites here. but In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. Psalm 94, verses 18 and 19. I cried out, I am slipping. But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Isaiah 41, 10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in verse 13, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Wow. And these are just some of the verses that show us how much God wants to hold us. To remind us that he is with us. How easy it is for us to forget, as it tells us in Ephesians 3, how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ. Even when it feels like it is too painful, even when it feels like it is too big or too hard or too scary, God is there. He cares for you and he longs to hold you in his arms. You know, other than what Jesus did on the cross, which is pretty big, and carrying everything for us. For me, there is no greater demonstration in my life than when I was in my teens or probably into my early 20s, where that whole idea of God holding us became real. Many of you won't know my story, but when I was 16 years old, hold it together, (laughs) my father was tragically killed in a river accident. If there was ever a time when I needed to be held, it was then. I'm the middle child, and was the oldest at home, with a younger sister and two foster siblings. My older brother and sister were both married and living in their respective homes, and my older sister was due to have the first grandbaby any day. Had him a couple of weeks later. And I felt a huge weight in in being the eldest at home, and being of an age where I could see how much it affected everybody else. When I reflect on my journey of grief over the several years immediately following, and the reality is that grief is not that short, and it's not really defined by time. I'm still caught out, like now, (laughs) by the odd memory or significant date. But when I reflect on those first years, I am overwhelmed by how much and how often I know God held me in his arms. There were times alone in my bedroom where I poured my heart out to him, and he met me there. There were times when I couldn't see the way through, and I cried out to God, and he met me there. Where I was grieving the loss of my natural father, I was being comforted by my heavenly father. So many people said to me how strong I was, or how amazingly I was coping. And some of this, I think, was actually just out of sheer stubbornness because I looked at my mum, and I looked at how much she had to carry, and I just wanted to make it better for her. But the reality was that I was only able to do that because of Christ in me. Sorry, excuse me. (laughs) When it says that he will turn your mourning into joy, it is not just some glib statement, but a recognition of the fact that our joy is not circumstantial. It is not based on what we are journeying in the natural, but in the fact that we are held and loved by him. Many of the verses that we just read were ones that felt like they had been written just for me. I don't know how many of you picked up on the lyrics of the song that we just had with all the kids with their signs. It's really hard to be thinking about those words while you're seeing all the kids with their cuteness. But the whole idea of it is that While we are holding our family, while we are holding others, he is holding us. When I listen to those words and then I think of my mum and the journey that she was on while she was trying to carry our family, it just about undoes me. All the while she was just crying out to her saviour, help me get through. Mum, in case you ever listen to this, thank you. It is a truth, though, that we can all embrace. It is in His strength, in Him carrying us, that we are able to do all things. Thank you. Excuse me a minute. Let's get to below. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Okay. Sorted. Sometime in the years after Dad drowned, Dave and I wrote a song that really describes this whole thing. Now, I'm not going to sing it, because apart from the fact that I actually couldn't find the original, so I don't have the full, uh, complete version anymore, and I've had to go by memory. Um, It was also in the 90s, and let's just not go there musically. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember the lyrics of the chorus, though, which said, You are my refuge. You are my hiding place. You are my Father, and in your arms of love, I have found all I needed to know. This song really just sums up that whole journey of being held by God in my darkest days, at a time where, if left to my own devices, I'm not sure I would have made it through. But by his grace I did, safely held in his arms of love. I also became really aware of how important community is, because that's what else God does. He puts us in community. We are held by community. If you turn with me to Exodus 17, starting at verse 8. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites had the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired so he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. What I think is really cool about this story, and it occurs so many times in the Bible, is that God didn't have to use somebody else to fulfill his purposes, to do what was needed, but he chose to. He could have had some other way to bring the outcome he wanted. He didn't have to involve Aaron and her, or even Moses. He could have done some big demonstration like when he parted the Red Sea. And allowed Joshua to win the battle. But he chose to use Aaron and her to be part of the answer. To hold up Moses when he had run out of strength. It demonstrates so clearly to me that we aren't designed to do this life alone. God has created us as relational beings. And it's one of the reasons God puts us in families and in communities. Psalm 68.6 says he sets the lonely in families. We need to be connected with others who love Jesus as much as we do, or maybe even more than we do. People who can encourage us, who can help us carry the load when we can't. Yes, there are plenty of people outside the church who have this heart to support others, but this is God's design for his people, to be in his house, part of his family, so that we may continue to grow, to encourage one another, to hold others when they need it. He tells us in his word to not give up meeting together. And this is not so that we separate ourselves from the world, but so that we can be the iron that sharpens iron, as it mentions in Proverbs. Then out of this secure place, out of this overflow, we are able to open our hearts and our arms to others around us who need it. Now, this can be really difficult at times. Mums with young children, if I can speak to you for a minute, and the rest of you can listen in, because it applies to all of us. But mums, there is nothing more isolating than being at home with young children, unable to get a moment to yourself, or perhaps the only adult company you're seeing is your other half when they get home from work. It's tough, especially if the kids get sick, or the husband. I'm not quite sure what's worse. (laughs) And sometimes, it's actually just a bit boring. Now... It's okay if you feel that way, and you're probably thinking, boring, what are you on about? For me, I had numbers of times when Ethan was a little baby, and sleeping, and the jobs were done, and I just wanted some company. I thought that people would come and visit, and they didn't. Other than the occasional short visit from grandparents taking a very out-of-the-way detour on the way home, just so they could see their grandchild, I had very few people that would pop in for a visit, especially during the day. I'm, in case you haven't picked up on it, extremely extroverted. On a scale of introversion to extroversion, I'm like way out here. So to go from like an office plan, open plan office environment, where there were always people around, someone that I could talk to, someone I could connect with, someone I could have lunch with, to an environment where it was just me and the baby, it was a bit of a shock. I'd wanted to be a mum for as long as I could remember. So it never occurred to me that boredom and loneliness would be one of the things that I would feel. But there were times, and it wasn't that he was a brilliant baby and slept all the time, don't get me wrong, but there were times between the copious amounts of washing, the screaming reflux baby, who I'd just missed that opportunity to feed before he got too overwhelmed, and all the other jobs that needed to be done around the house. There were times between all of those where he slept, and I just craved company. And that didn't really change with subsequent children. The logistical difficulties of getting young children out of the house so that you can spend time with others sometimes seems too hard. But whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, I encourage you, do what you can to ensure that you have friends around to support you. Invite people over. Don't assume like I did that they will just come. Go out to a playgroup, like Connect or Craft Group. Find ways to meet up with other parents and make connections. Sometimes I went to Craft Group and I didn't make a single thing. But it gave me the space to connect with others. Or just gave me the emotional break that I needed to refuel before heading back into the Lego building, Star Wars obsessed, House of Chaos. Make sure that you are in a life group. It can be really hard to juggle that with young kids, but it is so worth it. Whether you do it by getting a babysitter, and that's not always easy, or p- by taking turns going, or you could always host one, or if you're feeling really brave, you could have family life group like we do, where all the kids are welcome. It's messy, and it's allowed, so it may not be for everyone. Sometimes I wonder if it's for us, but that's okay. But it gives you an opportunity to connect with others, with others who love Jesus, and can help you in those moments when you just don't know what's going to happen next. Isolation on top of the hard job of being mum can make things just really overwhelming. And it's really important to have trusted people in your lives that you can share those feelings with. Especially if on top of all of that, you're struggling with the whole thing of what does my life look like now? My ministry felt like it was on hold. I was absolutely dedicated to raising my kids, but I was also missing the ability to serve on the teams, like worship, that I had done in the past. Students, it can be a similar situation for you, especially if you've moved into a new town or area to study, and you don't really know anyone. Make sure you take the first step to connect with other young adults, join a life group, don't fall into the trap of immersing yourself in an environment where study, which is really important, don't, don't get me wrong here, but where study is so all-consuming that you find that you are spending more time in isolation and don't have the friends and family support around you when life gets pressured. The challenge to all of us here, and from what I hear, it's actually something that you guys out at Selwyn do really well, is to always be looking out for the people who are new who are slightly on the outer. Invite people into your lives, your homes, and be part of the community that God desires to use to hold one another. Because in all of this, I think we are held for a purpose. The word hold means to carry, to keep in position, to hug someone, to stay in close contact, to bear someone's weight. If you think about each of those meanings, they are all indications that they are needed in order for something to happen. When you hold something, you, don't generally, you, you do it for a purpose. You don't generally hold something just because. You don't hold a flag and then not wave it. If you're carrying something, it is generally to get it from one place to another. If you are holding something to keep it in position, it's to ensure that it doesn't end up in the wrong place to prevent malfunction or injury, for protection. If you are hugging someone, it's often to provide comfort or emotional connection and support. If you are staying in close contact with someone, it's to show strength, solidarity. And if you are bearing someone's weight, it's usually because someone's hurt themselves and they can't walk, or because they can't hold their own weight and it's needed to get them somewhere or something. We don't just hold things for no reason. Our ultimate purpose is to love God and to love others, to, to share Jesus with others so that they may experience his love for themselves. If we get derailed or distracted by the things that we are facing or experiencing, then ultimately we won't be in a position to fulfill our greatest purpose. We're also, all also individually called by God, and he has a purpose for every one of us. His desire is for us to lead an abundant life, a life where we get to experience the full extent of his purposes and his plans for us. It's the whole reason why we are held by God and the whole reason why he places us in communities to be held and to hold others. The devil will take any opportunity he can to capitalize on these situations, on our weaknesses, to speak lies and tell us we aren't good enough, We can't do what is needed. And this is why it is so important to position ourselves where we are not tempted to just try and do it alone. What situations can you bring to mind of a time where you can recognize that God in some way was holding you? The reality is is that he does it every day. Every single day. Sometimes we just don't acknowledge it. Or we don't recognize it. Or we don't even allow it sometimes. We can get fixated on dealing with this situation on our own. Or we're so surrounded by whatever it is that we are going through that we can't see past it. We can't see past our pain. We can't see past whatever it is. Or all we can see are our own failings and weaknesses and it completely obscures our vision. So how do we ensure that we are in the best position to be held by God? Number one, be real. There is a need to be vulnerable when we surrender to Jesus. Often we think of surrender as being the stuff that that we're good at but if we really want to allow him to carry us then we need to acknowledge our weaknesses. This doesn't come naturally. For many of us we have a British stiff upper lip mentality or the Kiwi shall be right attitude. You may have other cultural influences that help you or make you need to, to keep a brave face. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 11 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's intent here is not for us to go around saying, Woe is me, I'm so useless, I can't do anything. It's about acknowledging what we can't do, and being humble about what we can, and allowing the power of Christ to be glorified in us. It's surrendering surrendering the whole lot so that God can do what only he can do. At times, I've been the queen of fake it till you make it. But this doesn't help anyone. There are no prizes for hiding your pain. None. I can think of times where I've ugly cried on the way to or from somewhere because I was so desperate not to allow my weaknesses to be seen. My only saving grace in those moments is that the ugly crying was generally because I was pouring my heart out to God at the time. God longs for us to share our emotions, our struggles, our joys with him so that he can pour out his love and wrap his arms around us. We are living in a world where there is a push to be insta-perfect, always desperate to portray ourselves and our lives in the best light possible. Can I say, don't pursue perfection at the expense of your reality. It doesn't help the person following you on social media who sees a super and it doesn't help you if you fixate on someone else's highlight reel. When we make real, authentic connections with others, we get to see the good, the bad, the ugly, in both them and in ourselves. So be real, be authentic with God and with others. And then once you've done this, accept help. When you say yes to offers of help and support from others, you are allowing God to use them in your life. We are blessed to be a blessing. Don't be the reason someone else doesn't get to be the blessing. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is accept help that you would rather not let on that you you need. But not only does God want to hold us in his arms, but he created our communities to physically hold us. Accepting help is a logical step in being real and authentic, but it is also a step of faith. As the team comes up, let me just finish with this. The answer to our every cry of I can't is his cry of I am. When Jesus went to the cross, he demonstrated the ultimate act of holding us. He carried our sin, our shame, our hurt, our pain, our struggles, every weakness, every character flaw, every possible thing that we could ever go through is kept, captured in that single act of love, and God has already won the victory. His desire is simply that we turn to him, that we raise our hands and surrender so that he can pick us up and hold us as a loving father as a good shepherd, a mother hen. So I encourage you, whatever your situation, let your first response be to turn to him. Ask God for help. Get connected. Love others. Allow God to demonstrate his power, his glory, his strength, his promises in you and your situation. Let his words be louder than the voice in your own head as you allow yourselves to be held. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you hold us, that you know us inside and out. You know every situation that we are facing. You know every thought that we have, every doubt that comes to mind. Father, right now, we acknowledge you and we look to you and we ask you to hold us, to carry us when we need it, to remind us when we need it, and to help us to see others who may need holding as well. Help us to know your love. For anyone here who right now is in the midst of something that they can't see past, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just really minister them in this moment. That they would understand the reality of your love, your overflowing, overwhelming, all encompassing love that desires to surround them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Tim.